My name is Deborah Skako. I am originally from Staten Island, New York, and I moved to LA at the end of 2012 from London, where I lived for 16 years. I would describe my focus as examining structures of permission environmentally, culturally, and politically. And I say that because I, I am really interested in the connection between policy and people. So I'm interested in thinking about how in our lives we are impacted by the decisions that are made for us. And so a lot of what I do is about lines. So it's about geography and boundaries and borders and, and what those lines mean. And since I started working with borders like God, you know, 10 years ago or more, it's kind of expanded into my own understanding of, of what borders mean and what infrastructure means on a broader scale and how that affects people. And I think especially now there's a kind of lack of understanding between the broader structure, like the broader power structure and how that impacts individual lives. And so for me that relationship has just become increasingly important and has increasingly become the focus of my work. My relationship with the river, I think, is as, as a person who has this interest in boundaries and, and this kind of obsession with lines. Um, for me, when I arrived in Los Angeles, it felt like a start as a way to navigate my position within the city. And so, you know, in, in cities that I've lived in previously, you identify yourself by rivers. And in Los Angeles, you identify yourself by highways. So I remember going to bookstores, trying to find maps of Los Angeles that clearly showed the river. And the puzzled looks that I got when I asked for that just blew me away. And then also just finding these maps of these giant complicated structures and the LA River being represented as this tiny, tiny, tiny line and actually struggling to understand the tributaries and struggling to understand the watershed on these maps, my, my obsession with it just grew from there. And then learning more about the history and the changing courses and how it really did shape the city and also just thinking about the iconography of the LA River and pop culture as well and how it is such a visual part of how people identify with the city but a lot of them don't realize that it's a river. so many ways of this kind of like 20th century boom because it is the thing that gave our city life but we had to force it and able to exist here and you know in order to survive we have to redirect water from communities but then all of the water that we have that flows into the river flows directly out into the Pacific but without that infrastructure we could not exist because the river would tear through the city is my understanding right so it's just it, it kind of it represents for me, so much of our very fraught relationship with nature and our very fraught relationship with land and ownership and environment, because the very process of channelizing a river is saying we own this. And so now it's a part of our infrastructure that I don't think we can remove for our own safety. 
so we have this thing, right? Like we have this, this river slash channel slash flood control. And it's interesting even hearing how people speak about it. And even when you look at the origins of the river, you know, what, what was the exact original name? There's so many questions around it. Trying to access the history behind it is really difficult. It is a contradiction that represents so many other contradictions for us. Sourcing the previous courses of the river I've found to be really difficult. My main source is working with Glenn Creason at the LA Public Library, who has just been a saint. As far as I'm concerned, I went in there having no idea what I was trying to do and just said, hey, I'm an artist and I need to look at some maps. And he just went, okay. <laughs> and then I just kept going back and kept going back and I eventually narrowed my focus to the river and transit systems. And there was one map of the river from the late 1800s that he showed me that just changed everything. It changed my practice completely. I believe it's on onion skin and it's kind of a long panoramic style map. And it's, it's so beautifully drawn and it's so sparse. And it's just, in my memory, it's three lines. I looked at it again and that was wrong, but I'm gonna go with that because in my memory it is, but I mean, it's not much more than that. But it's just this very simple set of lines that has enabled the city to exist. And it was really when I looked at that map and I just thought, oh my God, everything is a line. And that was it. And so since that moment, I, I kind of, I still, like drawing is still so at the root of my practice, but I understood that, I, I felt like that just resonated so strongly with like the power of the line and understanding that relationship between line and boundary and understanding the relationship between boundary and power. So it was like this very quick trickle down of really knowing that, knowing the, the power of these maps and, and the power of those lines. And it was also during that research that I was looking at one of the maps with him and looking at the topographic marks. So it's those kind of lines that emanate outwards. And everything I do is rooted in systems and rules, so I have a lot of trouble with decision-making. So, which is also why so much of my work is rooted in, in cartography and history, because it's all drawn from the rules that, that the history dictates. Um, but I remember asking Glenn, what are the rules for making these topographic marks? Marks Like, are there rules for line weight or distance or any of that? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, I think that they just drew them by hand. And it was also when he said that, that I thought, oh, then I can do that. I can create this topography. And so that's how I started working with this collection of emanating, emanating lines, thinking about how, you know, I mean, DJ Walde said every map is a fiction, and that's something that I, I wholeheartedly agree with. And so I thought I can make my own cartographic fiction out of the past as a way of not only highlighting the fiction of a dictated cartography, but also highlighting the fiction of memory within that cartography. Because I'm also really interested in how um, time, memory, and place are this kind of holy trinity in my eyes that cannot be separated. I understood our infrastructure more and and I think that has become a part of my work is is this kind of need for understanding of why we live the way we live and why the lines are there 
Um, and so, for example, there's a project that I'm working on right now as a part of, of the residency that I founded, which is looking at the lines of Los Angeles. So it's looking at past, present, and future rivers, highways, transit lines as a way of studying these lines. And, and a part of that is from the, the challenge of the cartographic research I've done thus far, in that even if I find maps of the LA River, I find it difficult to place them on today. So this is kind of the start of a multi-year project to look at these layers of infrastructure with the hope that it can become a map that can expand into other areas as well. So even looking at things like air quality, airports, oil fields, like all, all of these things that affect our quality of life in one way or another, that we even like power lines, water lines, right? Like irrigation thinking about the lines that connect us and why why those lines are or are, are not put where they are. Sure, to a degree it works in that we can drive on highways and they don't collapse, but more so it doesn't work because there are communities in Los Angeles without access to clean water. So, I mean, I feel like the moment that we're in right now tells us that our infrastructure doesn't work. I think the moment that we're in right now tells us that we need to be more actively involved in shaping that infrastructure. And that, that to me is what I feel really strongly about and what also I feel artists are well positioned to do because I think that we can start conversations that are otherwise really difficult. And not to say that we're gonna make them easy, but I think when you have, a, whether it be an object or a performance or an activation or however you wanna phrase it, when you have a thing to speak around then it can be more about a person's interpretation of that thing as opposed to saying, what do you think about infrastructure? When I started the LA River Works, I hadn't lived here for very long. So it was very unfamiliar to me as a marker of navigation, as a marker of identity, as a marker of place. And so, at first, it, it was literally unfamiliar. And something that I, I have done in my practice for years and years and years is that when I am stuck or when I feel kind of, I'm trying to think of what to do next, I trace maps. That's just what I've always done. So I just like go to books and I trace maps. And so it, this whole thing started by tracing maps and, and thinking about that. And for me, I think, tracing whether that be physically or drawing or however you want to do it it's like in some ways it's a way of familiarizing yourself with a place so that you can feel a sense of acceptance so i mean this all kind of goes back to lines and otherness and and you know feeling other and then being other to a certain degree and being in another country or whatever it is thinking about what makes you a part of a place and so for me a part of that process is tracing it physically both it both as a drawing and on foot so that's that's kind of how it started but then as i got deeper into the research and deeper into the work i feel like now the unfamiliarity is the history and so and because i've been working on this for such a long time and i still feel like i don't have any clarity on it um and because you know maps are maps are documented oftentimes to trace ownership. And so what happens to all the maps before 
before this kind of colonial model of ownership was in existence and where is that history and what was that history and people were here for thousands of years and they did just fine right as far as we know because they're still here so it's thinking about for me that's now the unfamiliar is is it's like the history of the land and the history of the river itself as I continue the research I also feel like that kind of unfamiliar I want to be a part of the work as well um, in terms of hopefully making it more familiar to other people, even just at a very surface level of, you know, we had several major floods and it used to go out in this place. I feel like even that would be an improvement on um, a history that many people aren't aware of. I am currently curating a show that is inspired by the river, which has been such a wonderful process. It's kind of a different kind of research. So it, it enables me to continue the historic research on the river, but also do research in the form of working with other artists who are working on the river or making work about the river or inspired by the river. So that's been, that's been really wonderful. We have 13 artists in the show, a number of whom I've admired for a very, very long time and some really fascinating work. And it was interesting because when I, when I kind of embarked on curating the exhibition, I had this really naive intention of like, oh, we're going to include tons of historical information and artifacts and none of that is there. And that, and that, and it's, that has now become a part of the narrative. And so I'm really excited. So the work that we're showing by Lauren Bond in the Metabolic Studio is a series of Oyas that are made from LA River clay, which I'm thrilled to be showing because it kind of speaks to this, um, very difficult to ascertain history. So it's like, you know, the studio has made these ancient objects out of clay in absence of the ancient objects made out of clay, if you see what I mean.